Yeah, we're in 1 Kings chapter 1 still. We got a chance to start that a while ago. So we're still in 1 Kings chapter 1. We're at the uh, end of King David's reign. I had a thought too while we were doing the handshake there just to remind you of uh, with my surgery and that coming up, please pray for the family. <laughs> uh, I've heard that my wife's husband has been so cranky the last month and a half, so please pray for, for that situation. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, pray for them. They're the ones going through the hard time <laughs> on, that, on that, that end of it. So uh, we're at the end of uh, King David's reign. In the book of First and Second Kings, we mentioned last time, it really shows the rebellion of God's people. But along with that, it also shows the faithfulness of the Lord to his people, even when they are rebellious. And I was thinking as we were singing this morning about God's love, aren't you thankful that he loves us despite ourselves? <laughs> you know, I mean, we know our own personal ups and downs, and the Lord is so faithful and consistent. He loves us all the time, and he understands, as he says, that we're just dust. He knows our frame. He knows how weak we are. So we're very thankful, the Bible tells us, that when, even when we're unfaithful, the Lord remains faithful. And we're so, so grateful to him for that. We also see in the Kings that the Lord chastens his people and brings them back to himself. That's his reason for the chastening. And it's a shame, you know, that we get so hard-hearted that it takes God's chastening to bring us back to him. But we can praise the Lord that he loves us enough to do that, that he loves us enough to come after us. You know, aren't, aren't you thankful the Lord says that when one of his sheep goes astray, he doesn't just let them wander off, he goes after them. And we praise the Lord that he does that for us. You know, we kind of stopped last time in uh, the middle of a story in 1 Kings chapter 1. King David was having a hard time because of his body wearing out from the hard life that he had lived. And it was becoming very obvious that his days as king were numbered. So one of his sons, by the name of Adonijah, he decided on his own to take over the kingdom, but he wasn't doing it with his dad's approval. He had selfish ambition, and he just decided that he deserved to be the next king of Israel. And in the meantime, the Lord had different plans. <laughs> his plans were to make Solomon, David's other son, the next king. So Nathan the prophet and Bathsheba, David's wife, who also happened to be the mother of Solomon, they both decided to approach King David and to speak to him and remind him that he, he had said Solomon was to be the next king. So let's start reading in 1 Kings chapter 1. We're going to start reading in verse 28 just to get some of the context to go what's going on here. Uh, after, after Bathsheba and Nathan had spoken to David, it says in verse 28, Then King David answered and said, Call Bathsheba to me. She came into the king's presence and she stood before the king. And the king took an oath and he said, as the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from every distress, just as I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. So I certainly will do this, uh, do this day. Then Bathsheba bowed her face to the earth and paid homage to the king and said, Let my Lord, King David, live forever. So David acknowledged here that it was true that he had made that oath that Solomon was going to be the next king to take his place, and he clearly states that this was of the Lord. Okay, so he makes it very, very clear. So let's jump into verse 32. This is where we, we got to last time. It says, And King David said, Call to me 
Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. So they came before the king. The king also said to them, Take with you the servants of your Lord, and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule, and take him down to Gihon. So David here, he calls for these leaders to come because these were loyal to him. Remember, some had jumped ship and they were following Adonijah with his little rebellion he's got going on, trying to take over the kingdom. But David called these guys because these were his very loyal followers, and he knew he could trust them. You know, I hope that we can be known like this to people too, that they can call on us when they need someone that they can really trust in, that we're not the kind that jump ship, you know, and, and go with the latest fad or the latest thing going on, but we're, we're just steady. We hold on to the things of the Lord. We stay right where the Lord wants us to stay, planted on his word. So I hope we have that same kind of reputation here. Now, by Solomon riding on David's mule, that is going to let all the people know that David had approved Solomon. And that Solomon was going to be their new king. So every step that David has here is he's laying out this plan for his leaders to follow. Every one of these steps is a message and just like kind of one more approval that David is making sure people know this is my desire and this is the Lord's desire that Solomon is going to be the king. So they mentioned that they were going to go to this place called Gihon. That was a place where the people from the city went to get water. So David knew that there'd already be a crowd there to get their water for the day. And by David sending his leaders and Solomon down there, it would let a large group of people know all at the same time that Solomon was the new king and that he had David's stamp of approval. So look at verse 34. There, he's still telling these guys his directions here, there let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel and blow the horn and say, long live King Solomon. It's interesting here, somebody pointed out, you've got the priest, you've got the prophet, and you've got the king. It's kind of interesting to see that, that together because Jesus is all those things for us, right? But uh, this is interesting that it, they all come to be in the same place here. So here's David, he's given directions to his guys exactly how he wants them to announce Solomon as king. Uh, the anointing, that he mentioned here, that would be acknowledging that the hand of the Lord was on Solomon and that he had appointed him to this position. Now for us, when we notice the anointing here, that should kind of perk our ears up a little bit too. The anointing is a picture for us of the power of the spirit that's needed to serve the Lord properly. If you remember in the book of Acts, the, the resurrected Jesus, he told the disciples there that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit would come upon them, and that would be that anointing we're looking at. And then these disciples would be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And they were supposed to wait for that power before they began their ministry. So David knows as he's telling the men here, you make sure you guys publicly anoint him, showing that God's hand is on him and that the Lord is going to use him. Then the final step here of David's instructions was for Solomon to come and sit on David's throne. And he says, Nathan the prophet and Zadok the priest were supposed to go after him, it says. So they're supposed to let him lead them to that throne. What a cool picture, you know, to think about that. That must have been an awesome sight to see. The new king leading the priest and the prophet behind him to the throne, okay? 
And I want you to see something here in Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to turn there for a minute. In the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 2, and look how this applies to us as we see uh, this interesting picture here of the king going to the throne and all who are following him. Ephesians chapter 2, look down to verse 4. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together. This is talking about spiritually. The Lord made us alive. He raised us up together. And look what it says. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So where is Jesus right now? He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And spiritually, where are we? It says right here, we are seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Wow. So I like these passages in the Old Testament that kind of point to this amazing moment when a king is coming to his throne because it's a reminder to us of what the Lord is doing in our life. Our king is on the throne as well, and he's invited us to sit there with him. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Yeah, the relationship the Lord wants to have with us is just astounding when you stop and think about what the Lord is saying. And you know, in the future kingdom that the Lord is going to set up on this earth, we're told that we are going to rule and reign with Christ. Boy, what a, you talk about something amazing. That's going to be a sight to see as well. Uh, back in our first Kings passage, let's look at verse 36. It says, Benaiah, he's still giving directions here, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king and he said, Amen, may the Lord God of my Lord the king say so too. Because uh, David has just said, you know, that he, I want him to sit on my throne. He's going to be the king of my place. I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and Judah. And now Benaniah strikes, uh, he speaks up and says, amen. <laughs> then he says, may the Lord, God of my Lord, the king, say so too. So he's, he's saying, my desire is that the Lord is putting his amen to this anointing of Solomon too. Now he knows David has said that and he's hoping, man, this this really looks good. I really see the hand of the Lord here, and I just, I just pray the Lord really says his amen as well. Pretty, pretty neat to see. Uh, this Ben and I, we'll talk about him a little bit more. He's, he's the guy who's the head of the, David's bodyguards, his personal bodyguards he's got there. Verse uh, 37 goes on. He says, as the Lord has been with my Lord the king, this is Ben and I, still talking, as the Lord has been with my Lord the king, even so may he be with Solomon, and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. Now, that's an amazing statement. This man had been the head of David's personal bodyguards for a long time. So when he was saying that he has seen that the Lord has been with King David, this is coming from a guy who's had a front row seat to David's life. He has seen a lot, okay? He saw David's consistent daily trust in the Lord. And he also saw the Lord carry David through some very hard times. And then after that, to lift David up to some amazing heights, you know, making him a great king over his people Israel. Even when David was chased at times, even by his own son to get out of there, the Lord raised him up again and put him back in there again. So this guy has witnessed all of that. And he's been by David's side. He has seen, you know, how faithful David has been to the Lord. The Lord has been to David. 
So when a guy like this says that he wants the Lord to make Solomon's throne greater than David's, that's saying a mouthful. <laughs> He's because man, it's tough when you've walked next to somebody and you've seen the really hard times they've gone through, but you've seen the Lord right there with them through all of that, you know? And then to say, I hope the Lord blesses your son even more than he blessed you. And I know that doesn't trouble David at all. David has God's heart on this. If we're honest and humble before the Lord, he would say, man, whoever's ministry is coming after ours, bless it like crazy, you know? We want it to go up. We don't want it to, to go down any. You know, that's foolish for us to think any different than that. So a really cool picture to see this Benaiah speak up. No wonder David has such confidence in this guy. He's a good guy. Uh, verse 38 goes on. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the Cherethites, and these are the bodyguards that's mentioned here in the Pelethites, they went down and they had Solomon ride on King David's mule and they took him to Gihon. Then Zadok the priest took a horn of oil from the tabernacle and anointed Solomon. And that literally says uh, he took the horn of oil from the tabernacle. This is the very special oil of the priest that stays in there. And he used that now to anoint Solomon. And they blew the horn, it says, and all the people said, long live King Solomon. So David's leaders, they did exactly what David told them to do, and it all worked well. The people joined in and they said, long live King Solomon. So this is the way it's supposed to happen. You know, if you do it the right way, you do it God's way. So verse 40, all the people went up after him and the people played the flutes and rejoiced with great joy so that the earth seemed to split with their sound. <laughs> so it's an interesting picture here. The people were so excited. You know, as it says, they rejoiced with great joy. And they were so noisy and they're celebrating that it almost seemed like an earthquake was coming, you know? And of course, a sound like that is going to carry and other people are going to hear it. So look at verse 41. Now Adonijah, and that's David's son who's doing his little rebellious thing. He's having his party, you know, his, his celebration party here after he thinks he's king. It says, now Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they finished eating. <laughs> Well, this isn't going to set so well with their meal after they find out what's going on. Uh, for dessert, they're going to have to start eating crow. <laughs> so it's not, not a good time for them. It goes on in verse 41. It says, And when Joab, that was David's former commander, he jumped ship and followed Adonijah. And when Joab heard the sound of the horn, he said, Why is the city in such a noisy uproar? Now, can you imagine? It sounded so loud that Joab was thinking that maybe something was wrong since they're making, as he called it, a noisy uproar. <laughs> and he's a military guy, so I'm sure he's got one hand on his sword all ready to go. Like, what's up? We got to deal with this here. And, you know, hearing all that noise and traveling as far as these guys, this just shows how much support Solomon had. The people were obviously thrilled to have Solomon as their king. Amazing. So verse 42, while he was still speaking, so Joab still got this coming out of his mouth. I guess he's probably got one mouth of food and the other mouth is talking here. While he's still speaking, there came Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, the priest, and Adonijah said to him, come in, for you are a prominent man and bring good news. So he's thinking, 
hopefully this is good news. Maybe they heard that I'm the new king, you know, and they're celebrating already. That's pretty cool. Well, he's going to find out different. Verse 43, then Jonathan answered and said to Adonijah, no. <laughs> the king's like, what, what did you say? He said, no, our Lord, King David, has made Solomon king. <laughs> Wouldn't you have loved seeing all the jaws drop when that news was announced? <laughs> I mean, these folks are celebrating. They think, we got our king now. This guy's going to do his thing, and we're in the front row with him. So this is going to turn out pretty good. And to find out that uh, things are backfiring on you right now, okay? And it happened really quick, too, when you think through the timeline here. So verse 44, the king has sent, uh, the, he's going on to tell his message as Jonathan. He says, the king has sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the Cherethites, and the Pelethites, and they have made him ride on the king's mule. So he, be, he begins to tell them that David has chosen his closest leaders to be part of this. And then he tells them that Solomon's riding on David's mule before the people. And I wonder if Jonathan or Adonijah at this point is thinking, I forgot about that. I should have stolen Dad's mule too, you know. Yeah, he's messed up his plan. It's falling apart pretty quick here. So when they said that he's riding on King David's mule, they all knew what that meant. <laughs> that there's a new king in town. So verse 45, so he, he's still telling them the news here. So Zadok, the priest, and Nathan, the prophet, have anointed him king at Gihon. And they have gone up from there rejoicing so that the city is in an uproar. This is the noise that you have heard. So he lets them know that the noise they heard is, is coming from the city and it wasn't from an invasion or something. No, it was all the people there celebrating their new king. And that wasn't you, Adonijah, by the way. <laughs> so, yeah, you think about all the joy these people had over their new king. Can you imagine such a loud celebration that is heard in other places? And it sure makes you wonder, you know, why don't we get a little more excited when we're singing worship songs to Jesus, our king? You know, I know Solomon was a wonderful guy when he started out. The people are so happy to get him. But we've got the perfect king in Jesus, right? And he not only knows us personally, but he loves us too. And these people here, they may have, you know, known Solomon from a distance, maybe, probably, but Jesus knows us up close, and he still loves us. Wow, that's amazing. We should get excited when we're worshiping our king, right? Uh, verse 46, also Solomon sits on the throne of the kingdom, and the news, it just keeps coming, you know, of, of all these steps that David has done. He's covered every single thing, and, and now this just Jonathan, the messenger, He's told them that right now as we're celebrating and having our party, Solomon is actually sitting on the throne of the kingdom. That's David's throne. So this news had to sting a little bit for Adonijah, you know. He's having his own celebration and making himself king, but he's still in the banquet hall eating his chow. But he wasn't sitting on the throne of David. Wow. You can't feel like much of a king at that point, right? So it was kind of like having this huge celebration start because you know you're sure to win the election. And then the news hits that you just lost. We kind of know what that experience looks like on people's faces, don't we? So 
Can you imagine this is what was going on here? Even more so, because these people, they're going to be in trouble. Look at verse 47. He's still talking here. Messenger's still giving the news. And moreover, the king's servants have gone to bless our Lord, King David, saying, may God make the name of Solomon better than your name, and he make, make his throne greater than your throne. Then the king, talking about David, he bowed himself on the bed. It says, also the king said thus, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has given one to sit on my throne this day while my eyes see it. That's a deep praise coming from David. Lord, thank you so much that you let me see this with my own old feeble eyes, that there is one who sits on this throne, and it's the one that you chose. Wow, amazing. So <laughs> as the people were announcing this amazing blessing to David, he wasn't at, so, at all upset with it. He wasn't thinking, oh, man, I hope I don't want him to say they want him to be greater than me. I don't want any of that. You know, Sinead has selfish pride in David. Man, he's a humble guy. He wants the Lord to be glorified. He wants God's people to be taken care of. So isn't it amazing? All the way through as David, the Lord shows us pictures of David, he really lets us see this guy's character. Even on his deathbed, he's not looking for fame or anything. He just wants God's people to be blessed and watched over and God's will to be done. Man, you talk about serving the Lord to the very end. <laughs> Good to the last drop, huh? Yeah. So David here, he's also giving praise to the Lord for this new king too. So at this point, as, uh, as uh, Adonijah and all his crew are hearing this, it's all over but the crying. <laughs> Solomon was signed, sealed, and delivered. <laughs> it's finished. He's a new king. So verse 49, it says, So all the guests who were with Adonijah were afraid. <laughs> and they arose, and each one went his way. <laughs> it's like they're going to go crawl back in their hole, man. This is not a good place for them. <clears throat> I guess these people were scared, you know. Imagine what was running through their minds. All of our neighbors know that we came down here to be part of this Adonijah for King party. <laughs> and now that Solomon has officially been named as the next king of Israel, then we're all going to be seen as traitors. And in their time period, they were thinking they could be put to death because of that. So, oh, woe is me, they must have been thinking. So these people went from celebrating to instantly being faced with possible criminal charges and maybe a death penalty on top of that. Well, we learn from this that it's always best to wait on the Lord and be careful to do things His way. It may seem hard at times, you know, and it may even feel like you've been stuck behind the eight ball, like I'm sure Nathan and Bathsheba probably did at the start. I mean, to them, it's like, oh, man, he's pulling the stunt. We didn't know it was coming. Now what are we going to do? We're going to try to get in there. We're going to, you know, you wait in the Lord. You do things his way, and the Lord's way is going to work out. Even though you go through tough times getting there, even though at times it seems like it's not going to work, and I try this, but Lord, your way just doesn't seem like it's happening. You keep trusting the Lord. You keep waiting on him. The Lord's way is going to work out, and it's going to bring much greater results. You'll be so thankful you waited. So don't fall for the temptation to jump the gun too fast. Wait on the Lord and be sure to do things 
his way. Look at verse 50 as it goes on. Now, Adonijah was afraid of, of Solomon. <laughs> I guess so. He's been trying to trump himself up as king, Adonijah, here or no. He's got to deal with a real king who happens to be his brother, but he's not done anything good for him, right? So Adonijah was afraid of Solomon, so he arose and he went and he took hold of the horns of the altar. And it was told Solomon, saying, Indeed, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon, for look, he has taken hold of the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. And this act of going and grabbing the, the horns of the altar, that's well, people would do that if they felt that they were, had been accused of something and they weren't guilty of it and they needed some really quick help. They would go there for a place of sanctuary. But the funny thing is, this guy's not innocent. He's guilty of sin, right? But he's going to go there and try to pull a stunt with this too. So Adonijah, he's exalted himself, and now he was being put to shame. He's got to run and try to beg for his life, okay? We mentioned this last time, if you remember. If you humble yourself and you wait in the Lord to lift you up, then you won't have to deal with any shame or embarrassment from waiting in the Lord. I mean, people may ridicule you, but that's okay. You know, who cares? The Lord is the one that's going to honor you, right? But if you exalt yourself like Adonijah did, then you can rest assured that shame and embarrassment are going to be in your future. And you can check it out in Scripture. The Lord shows us this over and over again of people who exalted themselves and how they had to go hanging their heads uh, at the end of that or maybe having their head hung for them. You know, But it never turns out good. So the Lord shows us over and over, wait on me. Do things my way. And, and what happens when we do that? The same thing you see happening here. There's always a testimony on the other side of that. If we exalt ourselves and we end up with, with nothing but shame, where's the testimony in that? You don't even want to talk about it, right? But doing things God's way, you may go through some tough times, but there's an amazing testimony on the other side of those difficult times. So look at verse 52. Then Solomon said, so here he has to deal with his brother, right? This guy that has pulled his stunt, trying to be the king. Solomon says this, If he proves himself a worthy man, not one hair of him shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. So right off the bat, Solomon hasn't been sitting in the throne long enough to warm the seat up, right? Right off the bat here, Solomon is being given a test. How would he handle insubordination? And how is he, is he going to show prejudice one way or another because he's related to Adonijah? What a test for one that's in charge. Uh, the new judge of Israel, you know, the king here. Well, Solomon passed the test with flying colors. He declared true justice here, you know, clearly drawing the line between right and wrong. And he included a just penalty for disobedience. And he even showed mercy on top of that because he could have ordered Adonijah to be executed immediately for promoting himself as king without even getting David's permission. I mean, David didn't even know about this until somebody came and told him. So this was all on the slide. This was all underhanded. It was all dishonest. And Solomon would have had a legal right to say, you're done, buddy. It's over. Okay, but he didn't. He showed him mercy because all the actions that Adonijah took, it just showed him that he's a rebellious traitor. That's, that's all he is. 
But Solomon was merciful, and he gave him a second chance. You know, it seemed easy with all the power that he has as a new king to go ahead and just make a simple order, execute the guy, it's over. But Solomon resisted that temptation. You know what's interesting? That we want somebody else to suffer for their crime, but whenever we get in trouble, we're hoping for mercy, right? <laughs> That's the way we are. So Solomon, he showed a lot of maturity in the way that he handled the situation. It's like putting yourself in the other person's shoes and seeing how he would want to be treated. That's mature. That's the way God teaches us, right? We're supposed to love others the way we want to be loved ourselves. Amazing picture of Solomon. We'll see this as we get further into us too. Solomon's a very young guy here. He's not an old guy, okay? Go on to verse 53. So King Solomon sent them to bring him down from the altar, and he came, so they bring before Solomon, they came and he fell down before King Solomon. So here's Adonijah smartly going down on his face, and Solomon said to him, go to your house. So Adonijah was smart enough to show himself humble at this point, and Solomon did extend mercy to him, but later on, Adonijah's true colors come out, and he will be getting himself into trouble again pretty soon. Guys like this just can't miss an opportunity to get themselves in trouble. So chapter 2, let's go a little bit here. We'll get a chance to start it just a little bit. Now the days of David drew near that he should die. So he knows, I've not got many breaths left in this body. It's given out. And he charged Solomon his son. So he's going to tell him some things here. And he says, I go the way of all the earth. All sinners are going to die. That's the way it is, right? I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. So Solomon now, he's just become king. He's probably 16 to 17 years old. Very, very young man, okay? David knows all about the things that Solomon's going to have to face as king. David has been through every aspect of being a king. Good times, bad times, horrible times, amazing times of being exalted. You know, he's been all over the place in his years of experience. So David wants to share his heart about what it takes to be a good king. And he says to him here, prove yourself to be a man. By this, he's, we're going to examine this more because there's a lot to this one, but he's talking about a man, somebody who is mature, somebody who is of a sound mind, somebody who's able to take responsibility for himself and for other people who are under his care. And you think about this, what does our society define as a man these days, right? You got to be able to, to hold your liquor. That's one of the things they look at, right? You got to be a, a good womanizer, right? You got to have a, a record of the, the ladies you've conquered here. You've got to be a fighter. You got to be able to take a punch, throw a punch. Yeah, you've got to be a, a pretty vulgar person. You got to be able to throw it down when you need to with your language and all this stuff. That's the ugly picture we have right now of our society saying that's a man. That's what a man is like. David, <laughs> think about the guy who's talking here, trying to pass this on to his son. David's the guy who took on the giant when he was just a kid. He's the one who led Israel in the battle against enemies that hated their guts. He was at the front of the line. He did that over and over and over again until he couldn't do it anymore. And his men told him to sit down and, and let us do the fighting for you. 
He's a guy who's tough as nails. You don't want to mess with him. <laughs> He's a man who loves God. If you want to know what it is to be a real man, the man that God designs, David's the one you want to hear from. Okay? So he's going to do a very quick pass here to explain to him what's a real man. We're talking a man in the eyes of God, the one who created you. Wow, tough stuff here. Verse 3. So here's what he says. Prove yourself to be a man. And keep the, <clears throat> excuse me, keep the charge of the Lord your God. And he's going to define that for him too. What do you mean by keeping the charge? To walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies. So he's saying anything and everything that has to do with the Lord, you do it God's way. That's the first thing in to being a real man. <laughs> wow, don't you love that standard? You know, as a follower of Christ, as one who has chosen to follow the Lord, that's a great standard. Anything and everything to do with God, that's what's priority in your life, and you'll be a man. Wow. And he says, as it is written in the law of Moses, you're supposed to do all these things. And here's the reason, that you may prosper in all that you do, and wherever you turn. Now, isn't that desire of every father for their child? You know, a good father, I'm talking about. I know there's some ungodly guys out there who could care less about their kids, but we're talking about a God-fearing man, one who loves the Lord. You want your child to be able to prosper in everything they do, and no matter which way they turn, you want them to see the prosperity of the Lord in their life, that God's hand is on everything. And David's telling him, this is how you can see that. This is how it's possible. Verse 4, he goes on. Another thing here, that the Lord may fulfill his word. This is another reason you should do everything God's way. That the Lord may fulfill his word, which he spoke concerning me. And David is saying, there's a promise God made, and it's within your grasp. You can have part of this. And he says, here's the promise God made to him, to David. If your sons take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul. So it has to be the real deal. We're not talking about somebody just put a religious show up here. I mean, it's it's got to be the real thing. It's got to be a real man, okay? If they do that, he said, here's what the Lord told David. You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Wow, what a promise from the Lord. You know, and David's saying, I'm telling you this. Because this promise has been handed to me, and I'm handing it down to you. Ooh, what a moment in David's life. Passing that baton, and it's a blessed baton. Ooh. So a real man, he's defying it here, is one who walks with God. And you know what? That's the hardest thing for a man to do in an ungodly culture. That takes discipline. (laughs) That doesn't just happen by wishing it. You're going to have to take action on that. You're going to have to live that daily, especially when you're an ungodly culture. I mean, seriously, guys, look around. How many people do you see in our culture that are walking for the Lord, you know, following closely behind Jesus? How many men do you see doing that? Unfortunately, you see a whole lot more who are doing their own thing, who are without knowing it, following the ways of the devil, right? whole lot of that. That's easy to do. But to follow God in an ungodly world, 
And everybody's lived in this ungodly world for thousands of years, right? That takes discipline. And David's telling his son, I want to see this in your life. You're going to want to see this in your life later on. So he's telling him that. This is what it takes. And he defines there even further, you know, about what it means to, to keep the charge of the Lord your God. He, he knew that if his son walked with God as he passes this on to him, that he knows he's going to prosper. you got to catch this as you look at this. David's only taken a few minutes to tell him this. The most important gems in life. He isn't telling him now, now here's how you're going to handle this situation, and here's how you need to do this, and here's how you need to do that. He's not given a list of a thousand and one things that you need to do to make sure you right, walk the right way. He knows if you love God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and you do everything you can with God as your priority in your life, I don't have to worry about the rest. You don't need all the other details. God will help you along the way, every step, all the way. Isn't that amazing? Wow, what's, what's such wisdom in David here to know this is what you really need to pass on. Now, you know, <laughs> let's go further here because <laughs> he's defining that, what, it, what it's like there. He knows, I want you to prosper in everything, and here's the way it's going to happen. Now, sadly, Solomon goes against all of this great godly wisdom. It would take Solomon to get to the end of his life before he finally got it. But he could have avoided having a failed life if he just would have followed his dad's advice here. Wow, these are golden words. And unfortunately, they're falling to the ground because Solomon didn't pay attention. Somebody said this, Solomon had tremendous wisdom. And we got that story in scripture. We'll see that as God blessed him with that. Solomon had tremendous wisdom, but he applied none of it to himself. Man, that's something to chew on. We take in the word of God all the time. I mean, we take it in as we open the word for feeding on Sundays and Mondays and Tuesdays. Uh, and, and every other day we have something going on where the word of God is being put out there. We're taking it in. Are we applying it to ourselves? is the question. To end up with a bunch of head knowledge at the end, God's not going to give us a test and say, I've got these 100 questions for an answer, you know, and see, did you get the head knowledge I wanted you to get? No. What is he going to say? Thou good and faithful servant. Did you apply this to your life? Did you serve me with these things? That's what the Lord's going to be asking. And I think somebody nailed it pretty well with Solomon. He had tremendous wisdom, but he applied none of it to himself. He wasted his life, a life that had so much potential. He didn't come to his senses until the very end of his days. Thankfully, we got the book of Ecclesiastes to show us Solomon did wake up finally. But what a wasted life, you know? That's a very hard way to learn this lesson. You think about this. In his own life now, Solomon, misdirecting, not even paying attention to what David said here, Solomon did to himself, he did a lot of damage. And he hurt other people too. He didn't give the godly example to follow. And he missed many, many opportunities in his life to truly serve the Lord, I'm sure. You know, David tells his son here about God's promises and what he could expect if he walked a life of obedience to the Lord. And you know what? We should do that too, obviously. Pass this on to our next generation and the generation after him. You don't have to be a king in Israel to pass this on to your children. We all can do this.
as God has taught us, as he's directed us, as he has guided us. So we're going to stop here because David's got a little bit more to share, but we want to chew on this a little bit. So take that with you, you know, that David, he, he kept the faith, man. He fought the good fight. He made it to the end, and he didn't stop there even. He passed it on. And, and that's another thing a godly man does. He passes it on. So praise the Lord that he's, the Lord's given us his word, and uh, don't keep it for yourself. Share it when you get the chance, right? Let other people know the truth. Let's pray. Father, you have blessed us so much with the wisdom from your word, and I ask you, Lord, to open our heart to say, yes, I want to receive all of this. I want to follow you, Lord, in every single way. And Father, maybe we haven't walked with you in the past. Maybe we've been a disappointment. Maybe we've tried that way of Solomon to try all the, the junk in the world we can to see if it tastes good. Lord, if we're there, I pray today, help us to throw all of that at the feet of the cross. Lord, I know, Jesus, you love us so much. You want us to walk in your ways. You want us to see, to see us prosper in, in blessing and in good things. And, Lord, it's possible as we hold on to you. So help us, Lord, someone here today who may be struggling, maybe they haven't fully committed to you, help them today, Lord, to say, I, I need to be this. I don't want to be Solomon. I want to be a King David. Lord, help us to have the, the courage to pass these on to our children, our families, Thank you so much for the truth. Help us to apply it to our life and live for you. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.